Eve. Hello, hello, and welcome to Strong Tea, everyone. I am Vicky, and I'm joined not by one co-host, but two co-hosts today. <laughs> What's it called when it's more than one co-host? A tri-host. Tri-host, yeah, maybe. I don't know. How does that work? Yes. <laughs> so it's our maiden, maiden voyage, isn't it? It certainly <laughs> is. Yes, um, today is the first recording back for me. Um, well, Vicky hasn't been recording without me because that would be rude. Um, so it's our first one in a good uh, in a good month or so, isn't it? Um, and we're joined today by baby Freddie. So he's currently sleeping in a carrier on my chest, but uh, we shall see how long that lasts for. Might He might snooze through the whole thing. It might not be his uh, oh, cup of tea, but you never know. Like like that link, loving yeah. that link. Well, Segway into your part now. Oh, well, welcome back, Katie, and welcome, Freddie. <laughs> it's fantastic. If you haven't joined us before, then welcome to this episode. Uh, please check out our other episodes. I'm sure you'll find them as exciting as this one. So our aim in the podcast is to cover topics that could be considered taboo uh, or difficult to talk about or subjects that we just think that we need to learn more about. Um, so that's really what today is about as well. Absolutely. And we're really, really excited. Uh, We've got a wonderful guest today for you. Um, And before we dive into your story, Eva, I'm going to ask you, because we ask everyone, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking um, a herbal tea blend. I've got my little... um... Little what's it in here? It's called um, Dragon Sparks. And it's meant to be very good for concentration. And um, yeah, it's got all kinds of things in here, a bit of cinnamon and it's quite spicy. It's very nice. Do you make that yourself? No, I bought it. I do occasionally make things myself, but they're much nicer if you buy them and, you know, from someone who knows what they're doing. (laughs) Wow, this girl does tea. Like, not just tea, this girl does tea. Tea tea. You know, I've never been a tea or coffee person, so herbal teas are my thing because I just never did the hot drinks thing. So yeah, that's a great shout. Um, this is, doesn't matter what we've got to drink now, Vicky. It's just going to be dull in comparison. So what are you drinking? I'm really embarrassed to go next. Um, so Eva, just because you know, I I obviously know you from university. We went to Sheffield together. And I, I've got a, a multi biscuit flavored Yorkshire Gold. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what about you, Katie? Well, um, due to the fact that I have a human radiator strapped to my chest and um, also since I gave birth, this is really upsetting for me, but I've slightly gone off tea. My, my, my tastes have changed. I'm hoping they change back, but I'm a little bit off tea at the moment. I'm also very warm. So I've got a squash, which is very unorthodox. I thought you'd let me off my first one back. <laughs> So welcome to the next episode of Strong Squash. <laughs> it, is, it is double concentrate. So, and I forgot that when I made it. So it is actually strong, but you know, we can, we can move over that. That's fine. We can roll with the punches. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So we are delighted to welcome Eva Lake today. Eva is the founder of Moonhive Healing and through energy and sound healing, rituals and ceremonies, she helps establish sacred space where people can explore and facilitate healing and expansion. She has had an incredible journey so far. Um, She has got the most calming presence I think I've ever come across, and I cannot wait to get into this topic of spiritual healing, which it's not so much taboo, but I think there will be people who are maybe sceptical, even dismissive about its use, especially when it comes to medical treatment and spiritual healing as a relationship. 
Um, and there are those who will never have heard of it or wanting to know more. Um, so without further ado, Eva, what's, what's your story? Thank you. What a lovely introduction. I feel all emotional. <laughs> so my story. Okay, so about 10 years ago, um, my mum died of cancer and I was with her at the end. And the whole thing was a very um, healing experience. It was very traumatic, but um, I saw something in that moment that she died that I still don't have the words to explain. And that kind of opened up a whole new world of possibilities um, for me. So that catapulted me into a, a bit of a, um, a journey of health. And I lost a lot of weight and got fit and stopped smoking and started to look after myself quite a lot more. Um, and, and at the same time, I started to see signs from the universe that were kind of spurring, spurring me on. And that's how I describe the entirety of my journey. And as my journey continues, is being guided um, by something that I quite can't quite explain. Um, so a few years after that, I woke up one morning and turned to my partner and said, I'm going to learn how to do Reiki. Don't really know what it is, but feel the call to learn about it. I think it'll do us good. Um, I did. So the first level of Reiki is very much about self-healing and I didn't intend on taking it any further. And then one day I woke up and thought, oh, I'm gonna do my second level and become a practitioner. Again, I didn't think I was gonna take it any further. Um, and I'm partway through my master teacher training now, which means that I will soon be able to teach with the people. Um, I'm a sound healer, a meditation teacher, um, a rituals and ceremony facilitator, space holder, I run women's circles, sound baths. Um, and do a lot of ritual and ceremony work with people. So it, I never expected to find myself in this position. Um, yet here I am, and I'm really excited to see where I get pulled next. It sounds fascinating. You've been through a lot, I mean, obviously with the death of, of your mother, and it sounds now like you've adopted a completely different um, outlook and ways of coping with life. How would you have coped with things before this, this massive revelation to you? Uh, drugs and drink. <laughs> right. I, I, can't, I can't really uh, dress that mm -hmm. up in, in any other way. Um, I, I think when my mum died, I had an opportunity to, um, she was only 60, so that's a no age mm -hmm. uh, to leave this lifetime. Mm -hmm. I think I had an opportunity to um, buckle up really and be a, continue to be a victim because I, I now had something to be a victim about or to live my life to the fullest um, potential really. And... I wouldn't say that I took a conscious choice to do the latter, but that that's that's what I ended up doing um, and really uh, discovered myself, to be honest, which I, I was in my mid-30s at the time. So it's quite a, an age to be on that journey of self-discovery. But um, th that's that's what happened. And I'm, I'm very grateful of that mm. opportunity to, to start to heal, really. You're um, this is this is fascinating to me because um, you talked about the revelations that sort of came to yourself after your mum died. Um, do you think, only speaking from personal experience, my daughter died last year and I, I, didn't, I didn't really have a faith. I didn't really, I wasn't like overly spiritual or anything. And I kind of, I felt a desperation 
to kind of find something do you feel like it came to you naturally or do you feel like you went looking for something and that just clicked for you I think it came naturally um it wasn't something that I looked for and it was quite a um quite a few years later actually that things started to sort of fit into place and I started to learn about things or be introduced to things that really resonated with me to the point where there was just no denying to me obviously everybody's experience is different and everybody's experience when it comes to faith and belief systems is completely valid that's their experience even if it's different to other people's so I wasn't necessarily looking for anything but all of a sudden I think I found myself in a situation where I, I had a belief system that's that's fairly unshakable and and when I say that um there are times now when I forget how to look after myself so all of those healthy habits that I found like meditation and and being part of ritual and ceremony and being in that world um there are times when that that just escapes you and you fall out of a habit of even though you know it's like healthy eating I guess you know it's going to do you good but sometimes you just want to eat chocolate so you know that's that's kind of what you do so I have a very strong belief system even though at times my self-practice falls away a little um and it's found in a new way through things as you develop and grow and you weren't spiritual beforehand. There was nothing, because I know you just said, you know, you coped in a quite unhealthy way prior to that, but there was nothing spiritual. You you have, wouldn't have even thought about turning to Reiki or anything like that formally. No, I mean, I, I remember being very, I say very young, like late teens, early 20s, and feeling a lack of belonging and looking to religion to fill that sort of gap, um, in my life but it just never it, it 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 wasn't something that I could ever buy into really for me personally it's not it, nothing resonated but I, I was I remember being quite jealous of people with faith because I wanted that security of, yeah. of thinking actually when everything I'm struggling to find another phrase so that I don't swear <laughs> Whenever, swear away <laughs> swear away we'll put a caveat okay so when everything goes to shit that mm. faith to know that actually right now is uncomfortable but I know that that I'll come out of the other end and that that things will be okay um because that's that's life right you know that there are there are ups and there are downs and, and and that's that's just the way we navigate and arguably you can't experience the ups if you don't have the downs either and if everything's a bit like that then you know it's a bit grey mm. um so I really what I always really wanted something to believe in um and I guess it was staring at me in the face all along but these things often are right when you find the answers to your questions mm. like oh you were there all along <laughs> I'm I'm really keen to hear about the whole um, rituals and ceremony side of things. So I have done Reiki and I found that incredibly powerful. But tell me, I mean, rituals, that sounds like a scary word um, because it sounds ritualistic. And what does that mean? Like what what sort of things do you do and how does it help people? 
So we've got rituals as part of our everyday life, everywhere we turn, like everybody has rituals, whether that's the pub that you're drinking before the football match that you go to, blowing out your candles on your cake. It's just we don't identify them as rituals and ceremonies within within our culture. Um, and I think that's become a really sad thing because in, um, in times gone by, our ancestors very... Hello. <laughs> you know I'm no good at you know I'm no good at editing this. <laughs> um I think we'll just slot this in. Guys, if you don't know what happened there, everything uh literally just fell apart. Uh Vicky disappeared and now she's <laughs> again. And we don't know how to edit well enough um <laughs> to, to really cut that out. So that's what's happening. <laughs> okay, we're back. In a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we were talking about, like, obviously the commercial side of things we mm. do in this culture. We do baby showers. But yeah. how is that different in terms of what you do? So a mother's blessing, for example, focuses on um, what the woman's about to go through in terms of that journey to motherhood. So there are a lot of, especially for women, there are a lot of things we just don't talk about. There are a lot of things, and you'll know way more about this than, than me, that we don't know about about childbirth. We don't know about becoming a mother um, and we're potentially not supported in the right way um, in it being able to speak to our community about that and to say do you know what I'm actually really frightened because I don't know what to expect and this this might be and for and for other women around you to support you in that and let you know that actually you know we stand beside you and it, it, it's okay um it's just bringing a little bit more meaning to the things that we do and and when you bring more meaning to it it's more mindful and um it's just sits that little bit better I think when people are really given a safe space and held within in that space to really honor the process that they're going through because even in birth there's death right you 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 go through the process a death process of the maiden and a single woman who isn't who has no children to then becoming a, a mother and and that can be a difficult transition um as, as as amazing as it is you know there are there are so many amazing things but there are also some really difficult things so about being truthful in that because we're quite siloed in our society. And I think a lot of us sit maybe alone in our houses and think I'm the only person that's going through this and we're, and we're really not. So I think having that safe space for people to say, actually, I'm, I'm pretty terrified about this um, at the moment. And, and that can be applied to all kinds of things like, uh, you know, applying to new jobs or entering new relationships or leaving relationships that no longer serve us. There are lots of births and rebirths and deaths within our lifespan um, that we don't recognise um, as a thing. So, 
one thing I feel very passionately about is our first bleed. Like it's not, if you speak to people about their first period quite often, it's an embarrassing thing or, um, you know, it gets brushed under the carpet and people don't feel supported. They're not taught about what an amazing thing it is. I remember being in my late 30s and reading a book about how our menstrual cycle um, reflects the seasons of the earth and that unlike men, we're cyclical beings and our uh, energy fluctuates throughout that cycle. And I was like, oh, oh, just completely mind blown. Yeah. I shouldn't have been 38 receiving that knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm almost at the end of that cycle. You know, I'm approaching when my cycle's going to be stopping. And it's that's far too late. If we'd have been given that information as teenagers when we first started our period, how different would our lives be mm. to be able to tap into those energy cycles and recognise that actually things can be very, very different for us. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, absolutely. I know, Vicky, you want to you ask a question, but I was going to say, I did the same thing. I absolutely did the same thing. I found out about it like a year ago um, when I was trying to get pregnant with Freddie and I've got polycystic ovaries, so I don't have a natural cycle anyway. Um, and then I started reading about you get, you get this phase and you get this phase and actually if you do this exercise and eat this food during this time it maximizes on you know the best part of you and I'm like why am I just finding out about this now what it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> I think it's empowering oh, thank god you did hey eh? thank god you did yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's empowering as well the fact that as you said you know when we first start menstruating and so on it can be just really you know, as, as a Western culture, it, we've got particular connotations and stereotypes with certain things that particularly women's bodies do and go through. And menopause is another one. Yeah. For some reason, we're, we're supposed to be ashamed and life ends for a woman and womanhood and, you know, her sexual being ends with the menopause. But I think what you're describing and what you do is just utterly empowering. And it turns out on its head as something to be celebrated. Mm -hmm um so yeah I yeah it was more of a statement than a question really but is that obviously with the ceremonies and something and and so on is is menopause something that is something that's very popular well it's it's not actually and I, and I would love it to be more popular I think with that I'm a little bit um because I'm sort of starting to navigate that landscape myself there's part of me that would quite like to gain my own experience with that before I then um, get out there. It's difficult because everyone's experiences are very, very different in terms of what they, they go through. And I think the more disconnected you are to your cycle, um, the harder time you're probably going to have at menopause whereas if you've done a little bit of that work you're more in tune with it you can work with it a little bit more it feels like but ask me again in a few years because you know, <laughs> there might be people watching this thinking yeah you you you'll um, you'll learn your lesson lady <laughs> <laughs> but I think everything everything needs to be celebrated there are good sides and bad sides um to life and from my personal experience some of the worst things that have happened to me have been it, it eventually have been the best um so I think that there are times there are always times to be celebrated and marked mm. and um just really given 
space and time to to honor what that what that thing was and and that's where ritual and and ceremony comes in really so it's it's almost as if it's a good trauma led or not trauma led sorry it's, it's kind of a good trauma recovery approach is i think what i'm hearing yeah i think so i mean um Again, everybody's different, but I think by really giving something that time and space, we're slightly encouraged to paper over the cracks in our culture, and we um, it's not comfortable for us to talk about um, uncomfortable things. We're not very good at hearing uncomfortable things or holding space for our friends. Like things like you know grief and death, people don't really know how to um, how to navigate those things because we're, we're very much of a culture of trying to fix things and you can't fix you can't fix heartbreak you, you, you can't you know all you can do is hold space for someone and give them that safe space to feel how they feel um, without um, feeling like they need to get on with it or put a brave face on it or you know um, just deny the way they really feel about a certain situation so I'm I'm training at the moment to be a soul doula so that's um, I'm kind of halfway through the um, through the training so that will be working with people at end of life and really giving them the opportunity to um, to process what it means for them to be dying uh, without the um, without having to feel like they have to keep a brave face on it for uh, friends and family and to really be able to talk about what that means and have their spiritual needs met. And I'd really like to extend that, um, I've kind of touched upon it before, to a whole, our souls go through lots of different transitions in a, in a lifetime. It's not just a transition out of this life. We change as people throughout our life and I'd really like to be um, a doula for somebody through all of those stages so that's kind of how my business is is moving and forming um as, as time goes on. I love that idea yeah, yeah. sorry Katie go on <laughs> no no it's it's incredibly powerful to just hear like the process of what what you do and how it helps others and it's a good segue into my question because I've done I've had Reiki with a couple of people and the first one had um she, she didn't diagnose my PCOS, but she said she felt a block further down sort of near my ovaries. And I hadn't even said anything to her. And she said, are you trying to get pregnant? And I was like, yes. And she said, I suggest you go and see a doctor. And I did. And that's when I found out. And then I went back when I was grieving and um, with a different with a different Reiki uh, person. And honestly, she'd said to me, she's like, you're going to feel a, a wash of emotion. And it like she, she put her hands here. And honestly... I couldn't stop crying and she took her hands away and I stopped and I was like, this is weird, but it's, I found it incredibly powerful. And I suppose my question is how, how have you seen the power of what you do? Like how, how does it help people? Cause I imagine you're dealing with a lot of emotions and a lot of like you say traumas and different processes in people's lives. You must come across so many different people. Like how does that, you know, what sort of impacts have you had on people? 
it's it's so vastly this is this is why i love i love um what i do and i love working with people who've never had reiki before or haven't had anything and and, and people who are skeptical as well are really interesting because there's kind of no denying that something's going on so i it's it's so massively massively varied in the reactions that it has with people but we all know that feeling of being heard right we all know how it feels when you feel like someone's really listened to you and when when someone gets validation for um something that they're feeling that they maybe can't put into words because i felt it they felt it and they leave the room feeling lighter you can't you can't put a price on that and you can't um it's kind of not your business to know how that turns out so i um so for example, using, my, using myself as an example, I didn't think that I'd had Reiki before I woke up that morning and was like, oh, I don't think I'm gonna learn how to do Reiki. And then years later, I uh, remembered while I was doing a treatment for a friend that I'd been given Reiki in hospice where my mum was. Someone had just come along and said to me, I do this thing, I've never heard of it. It'll make you feel better. It'll give you five minutes of calm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. Completely forgot about that. And now I do what I do. So that so that person who just walked past that room that day, I can't even think what she looked like. I don't remember anything about it because um, obviously I was in like high stress at the time. But she's completely changed the course of not only my life, but I've, I will come into contact with people who may tell a similar story about me having changed that, you know, in something that I've done and been part of. And it's that butterfly effect, isn't it? And I love that. I love the fact that if you come from a place of love and kindness, you have no idea what a massive impact that you can have on someone's life. So, I mean, that, that, that in itself. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, incredible. it's incredible, isn't it? It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, was, I was kind of just wondering about, you've had this enormous transition in your life thanks to this lady and you know your revelations is there very much how do you look back at either you are now how do you view pre-eclipse uh eva um that changes um dependent on where i'm at i feel very sad for previous versions of me um because I suppose it's like anything it'd be nice to think I wish I knew now I wish I knew then what I knew now what I know now um because things would have been differently however I believe in divine timing and things working exactly the way that they are so I wouldn't be me if things that had happened hadn't happened and I'm just glad that I got here eventually um and who knows what the what the future holds um, I try not to be, I think it can be easy to look back a little bit with shame at previous versions of ourselves. I think the, the best thing of that is, can you imagine all the, all the youngsters these days looking back on Facebook when they're like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We didn't have, well, I didn't have anything like that. Really. But you see, you could look back with and be a bit ashamed of your behaviour or your outlook because 
I, I was quite um, and I'm quite emotionally damaged. Um, so I've I've acted from places of defensiveness um, a lot and hurt people along the way um, because I've not known. I've not been conscious of the way my actions have been affecting other people. Um, but, but you can't have regrets, really, can you? Uh, no. Although I still wake up at three o'clock in the morning and flinching at something I did when I was like 12 years old. You know, that whole, oh, what did I do? That was embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when you're trying to go off to sleep at night and your brain goes, oh my God, do you remember when you did this? And you're like, cringe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times a night. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> So some some people obviously find what you do um, a little difficult to comprehend and understand. And we talked about skeptics before. Um, What do you say to those that kind of scoff at the idea of literally the power of what we've just been talking about? What, What would you say to them or what do you say to them? Well, I don't try and convince anybody, really. I mean, I think people find um, this type of healing when the time is right for them and it either resonates or it doesn't and I would always say you know I think the best advice anybody could get in life is to follow follow what lights you up if you resonate with something follow it and it doesn't really matter what what that is and if you're always following the light then it's going to lead you in the right direction for you so but one thing I do use is we all know um we all know how love feels right but if I was to ask you how love looked, you might struggle. You could tell me behaviours that, that that show love and how you feel loved. But in terms of what love looks like, you might struggle to see what that is. So that's it's the same thing for me. We know how it feels. We know how it makes us feel. But you couldn't see it. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Absolutely does make sense and makes me even chills down my back when you said that. <laughs> Um, and, and, and after and after and I've had people come to me who have said I'm very skeptical, but I've recently seen that there may be more to life. Um, and they've had really good experiences. And I love that because if someone's open enough to question, then they're open enough to receive. Um yeah. It, makes, it does make a lot of sense though, doesn't it? Especially with things like Reiki. I had Reiki and I have had acupuncture as well. And it's all to deal with the energies, isn't it? And you think, you know, there is energy flowing around our body because that's what keeps us going. And I I, I don't know why people scoff at it unless they've really like looked into it or even tried to experience it because can be incredibly powerful and it makes a lot of sense about unblocking and helping the energy move better to help you function better as a human and to get rid of certain negativity and stuff and I I struggle with people that naysay stuff before Mm -hmm. they've tried it I understand it's not for everyone but don't knock it you either just say it's not for me or you know actually yes I'll try it just to just to see or I'll find out a little bit more about it because it's I, I do think it's incredibly powerful one we of the like things- to have explanations for things though don't we we like we like to know how things work and some things um, I mean there's a lot there's a lot of research I'm not very academic so like I'm, I'm um, I can't reel all that off for you although some people respond really well to that but um, it, I completely lost my train of thought the energy's gone <laughs> <laughs> exactly energy <laughs> It's interesting because I, I was looking at some of the research into this because after our pre-chat, I just got the juices going and just got quite excited about it as I do. Um, 
And one of the things that struck out at me was about, um, it was a story about the number of cancer patients who were using spiritual healing um, and how they're, them going to, and going through spiritual healing has actually meant that they've been using less drugs um, and less treatment that is so um, aggressive on their bodies. And there seems to be a correlation of people actually becoming well and better in themselves and spiritually, obviously, through this type of healing, through mm. this kind of treatment. Um, so I know we were talking about the naysayers and they must have hard data. Well, the data is out there. So I'm finding it difficult to kind of understand why there is such resistance in looking at this properly. Mm. I think things are getting better. Um, the NHS now employs Reiki practitioners as part of as part of the NHS, so it mm. is it is becoming more recognised. Um, and it's not the only form of energy healing. There are other forms of energy healing. Um, there's 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 quite a lot out there. Some of which I know nothing hardly anything about um but have experienced myself and been like it, it kind of in some ways makes what I do look like kindergarten stuff um which is which is really interesting um and and yeah the, the thing I always say to people is we when we cut our finger we have full faith that our finger's gonna heal we know that that we know that to be the case yet when we have um more serious health complaints, whether that be physical or emotional, there becomes a point where we um, lose our own faith and ability to be able to heal whatever that is. So that's when we look, I mean, and, and Western medicine, although obviously has its place, is very, very different to a lot of the Eastern um, medicine, you know, like acupuncture and um, China, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, which is completely, which has a completely different uh, viewpoint on in terms of us being able to heal ourselves. And I 100% uh, believe that we can heal ourselves, but healing doesn't always mean curing. And I think that's where people um, fall down a little bit because you can heal from something and still have a disease um it's just acceptance and learning to live with maybe chronic health issues for example is healing even though you still have the chronic health um issues when you when you know they they won't go away saying that i i fully believe and know and have full faith that there are people who have cured themselves completely um but I think that's a little bit more complicated and it kind of depends um, how far within that disease you are um, as to whether you, you could completely eradicate disease. But it, it would certainly help anybody who was going through invasive, like really invasive um, treatment. And obviously as an end of life, uh, soul doula that's exactly um, what I'll be doing using sound and reiki to help that transition when um, treatment is very intensive or when treatment has stopped I love that you're like I woke up one morning I was going to do this and now I'm doing this and now <laughs> I'm doing this what I mean it sounds like your bow is already very full of strings um what what like do you envisage yourself doing more things are there things that you think 
I really want to tackle that next or that really fascinates me. So I'm going to look into that. Or do you think, no, I'm doing enough. I've got a lot on my plate, you know. I mean, I've always got a lot on my plate. I'm I'm quite often um, overwhelmed by the amount of things that I want to do. Um, So I'd really like to say I'm going to stop here, but it's kind of out of my hands. Um, So I don't know how the Soul Dealer stuff is going to work out in terms of what I end up um, doing. There are a lot of different... um, parts of that in terms of supporting people at end of life so sometimes it would be literally sitting with the dying um as they transition and vigiling if they don't have um any family to do that but also a big part of it is helping people with their death plans and getting things into uh shape um in terms of knowing what they want and and letting people um, and leaving a record of what they want. So for example, like this week, I've learned that um, Facebook and Apple have a legacy. They've introduced a legacy contact so that if you die, then someone can take over your page and will have access to all your emails and your photos and all of that digital uh, legacy that we would maybe not think about. It's not something I ever thought about. So now I have um, a legacy contact and I've got all that set up so that when I die, they can decide whether to keep my Facebook profile open and decide whether to be accepting new friend requests or to memorialize the page. But, but most importantly for me, to access the photos that I've got on my phone that, you know, like how, how often do we do that now where it's precious, precious but so easily lost. Um, so yeah, there are there are lots of different ways to support the uh, the dieting. I've gone on a massive tangent. What I did no. want to say it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> was I um, I did my first wedding a couple of weeks ago for a dear, dear friend of mine. So I would very much like to branch out um, into uh, funerals and offer that as part of... Um, the package really is an extension of the um, the rituals and ceremonies. Like they're the big funerals, uh, christenings, naming ceremonies, weddings. They're the big ones in our culture that we all take part in. So yeah, that's kind of the next on the list. But I don't really have any expectations because I know that I'll be pulled in the direction that I um, that I'm called to. As cheesy as that trusting, sounds, trusting in the universe. Yeah. yeah, we're we're. I say we're big on death. We that came out completely wrong. We have um, a death series of podcasts coming up soon. Uh, we may actually invite you back, Eva, because I think this is where this discussion is going. And my next question might be quite macabre, but how do you view death now, with the the spiritual healing and with the beliefs that you have? How do you now view death? Um. I I don't think actually my views on death have changed. Uh, like I like I said earlier, I saw something when my mom in her last moments that was just like oh, it, it sounds terrible, and 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 this is my experience, and I, and I know that other, I don't want to sound insensitive to anyone else's experience, but it was one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen because she saw something in that moment that, well, I don't know. I don't know what it was. So I don't, um, I don't 
fear death because I I I believe that there are a lot of um there's a lot we don't know and it's just it's just somewhere else um because those people are still here not in the way that we understood them to be previously but I strongly believe that that energy is still present somewhere um and is still around us so um but it's a very very important part of my soul doing the trailing to not bring my beliefs into it really mm. um because everybody's beliefs are different and to really hold that person in their beliefs and what they think is going to happen without me projecting my own experience um because it's it's only my experience mm. and my opinions on these things um not that thing in particular but on other things changes because stuff does change as we grow and develop so I'm open-minded I think um like Vicky said the uh, conversation seems to have gone down the death route um which I mean yeah we'll get you back to chat again but you know you talked about um that soul doula side of things and the possibility of sitting with people as they're dying or helping them through that process that takes a lot of strengths like I I don't know if I could do something like that and I know you're sort of like you never say never because you never know you know what situation you're going to be in but that's does that not scare you the thought of of doing something like that because there's a lot to deal with isn't it yeah it it terrifies me um on a daily basis (laughs) um I I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it but what I do know is I've been called in this direction and I've ignored it for a, for a lot of years. Um, I didn't realise that soul midwifery was a thing until a few years after my mum died and I heard the term and I, and I asked more questions about it and the woman I was speaking to said, well, you, you that's what you did. You didn't realise that that's what you were doing with your mum, but that's, that's what you did. Um, and then I read a little bit more about it and it's it's come up in all kinds of readings and past life experiences. And, and I just kept going, when I'm grown up, when I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're approaching your mid forties, kind of grown up, you're as grown up as you're ever gonna get now. So um, I just thought, okay, enough is enough. I need to step on the path and see what happens because it very much feels like a soul calling. Um, So I'm just, I'm still very much seeing how that goes. But yes, it terrifies me because what a huge, it just feels like such a huge privilege to be with someone um, when they're at their most vulnerable. Um, Oh my God. I got chills again. Like, the way you just called that a privilege. I, I honestly thought you were gonna say responsibility, but you said privilege and that is, yeah. Yeah, it, ma- it makes me really emotional because, you know, it, it, it is, it is, that's the only way that I can describe it really. It's beautiful. Um, that's just testament to how a, a wonderful person that you are and how you're approaching this as well. And mm. um, I've got um, a question, I'm gonna backpedal probably for about 20 minutes ago because I forgot the question on what sound therapy that that's kind of in piqued my interest can you tell me a bit more about that yeah so um so sound healing it's it's so there's so much um god it's a whole 
and more than a topic in itself but basically speaking uh, the sound vibration helps us um gain a resonance with our natural vibrations and natural uh, frequencies so um you may be familiar with the different um, frequencies during sleep that help us process and help us regenerate uh, while we're sleeping. So sound therapies, different sound therapies can mimic that. Um, yeah, it, there's, there's all different kinds of dependent on the um, instruments you use um, and the frequencies that there are. You can tap into different parts of the body, tap into different um, chakras, um, do different things like um, a general relaxation sound bath, which is the kind of thing that, that I do regularly. But you can also get into like inner child healing and anger release. Um, so it can be really specific on a one-to-one -one basis. I don't work one-to-one -one with sound. I introduce a little bit of sound into my Reiki practices. Um, for a relaxation purpose. I don't do one-to-one -one sound because I don't feel like my training has been in-depth enough um, to work with people on that level. So I work with other sound therapists. Uh, we do a regular Reiki-infused sound bath because Reiki and sound go together beautifully. So we do those a couple of times a month where um, my very good friend Boschka will um, provide the sound and she um, plays crystal bowls and gong and we both play the drums and I will go around and give people Reiki in a group setting. So they're quite a popular event and really such a lovely, lovely combination. Um, but some physiotherapists use uh, tuning forks, sound vibration to specific muscles. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, there's, there's a lot to learn that's way beyond my um, knowledge of that kind of thing, but it's really, really beneficial for us. And we all know, um, you know how powerful it can be if you're in a slightly low mood to play your favorite song and have mm -hmm. a dance around or whatever. So it's, you know, it's, it's working on that basis really. It's very, very good for the soul is music and sound. And it's something that we've used um, as human beings the didgeridoo is like one of the oldest um, healing instruments that, that uh, civilization civilization knows. So it's gone for a long time. Yeah. I guess like from our perspective, you know, at Strong Tea, what we like to do is try and raise awareness and we like to educate ourselves because there's so much, like you said, even in your you know line of work and what you do there's so much to learn about and there are so many people that would say oh, you know that's not for me or you know I don't agree with that or you know what a load of tosh whatever um like I think it's really important that that it's um what's the word oh, I've got baby brain you know it's really important that we spread the word about how effective this sort of therapy is and how it can help people how do you think you know we should get the word out there how do you think you know it's effective to educate people about something like this obviously if people are listening to this podcast great but you know if they're not like what's the what's the sort of process that you normally go through when trying to get the word out basically it's really tricky because there's such a there's such a um 
like it's all a bit woo woo isn't it you know and people it's it's not very accessible to people and I think if people are into like crystals and that kind of thing then it's okay and it's all just a little bit out there and not quite explainable so it so it is really really tricky um but I think being open-minded and taster sessions are really good because if you can have a little taste um of something then if you're up on my, I, def, I defy you to deny it really. Like yeah. I don't see how you could because I think I've only treated one person when I was training who I knew was thinking this is a load of rubbish and they were laid on the bed like this. Okay. So closed up. And I knew, I knew they weren't going to feel a thing because they were so resistant to it that mm-hmm. they weren't, they, they weren't going to let anything in at all. And that's the only person that I've come across that I felt like was humoring me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. They just weren't in a, in a situation to go there just yet. And, you know, like people find what they need to find. But I try to, um, I think group healings are a good um, option for people because that way they can go and have a taster without um, committing financially to a treatment Mm because no one really wants to go and spend, you know, a, a, a good amount on a treatment that they don't know what they're getting it's not like a massage you know you're going to go and you're going to feel relaxed whereas mm-hmm. if it's something that you're not quite sure about people are, are a little bit more reluctant to make that investment mm. um yeah yeah I, I could talk about this all day it was, yeah it, I just find this all fascinating I think we've only scratched the surface as well um, but we often ask our, de- our guests for uh, their final sip. And that's just an opportunity to say any final words, any thoughts, anything that's on your mind or any advice you'd like to give to, to our Strong Tea audience. I would say, and I think I touched on it earlier, that anything that piques interest of any kind, go and look at it. Likewise, if you have massive resistance to something, and can't give a valid reason as to why you've got massive resistance, there's a good chance that it's exactly what you need. So that's, they're the things to follow. Um, Just look under the stones, look under the stones and see what's there because it's not always creepy crawlies. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's a really good final sip. Absolutely brilliant. We're absolutely going to put all of your details on our um, website as well. So people can check out your social media and your website and things. Absolutely. Oh, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on, Eva. Thank you ever so much for joining us today. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much. We will catch you for the next episode next Friday. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.